Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast for St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. This is the sermon for the week of March 3rd, 2019. The sermon is entitled, Transfiguration, Behold, Remember, Listen, and is based on Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copen. Text for the message comes from the Gospel reading from Luke chapter 9. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather in your presence, help us to, to see, to remember and listen to you. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. I know I mentioned lots of times, I've, if you have visited me or especially my office, uh, my office at home, uh, I've got a lot of books. Uh, it's an occupational hazard, I think. Uh, in fact, I have uh, one whole shelf that's stacked and, okay, it's double stacked with Bibles. Uh, uh, there are the different translations, right? There's the New International Version, New American Standard, the English Standard Version, the Good News Bible, the uh, the... Uh, whatever, the New Living Translation, even the King James Version. Then there are the specialty Bibles. There's uh, there's the Youth Bible, Student Bible, the Study Bible, a Small Groups Bible. There's a Couples Bible, a Leadership Bible, a National Youth Gathering Bible, a Parallel Bible, and a Multi-Volume Bible. Uh, uh, the, the Greek and the Hebrew on a different shelf. <laughs> now, in some of those Bibles, uh, they have what's called the, the Red Letter Edition. Uh, if you if you have that, you know that those words that are printed in red type are the words that are spoken by Jesus. As you page through the four Gospels, you will see entire chapters printed in red. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount or, or Jesus' uh, parables and discourses during Holy Week. And even Jesus' final words for his disciples in the upper room on Monday, Thursday. But did you know that in these special Bibles, some words spoken by God are, are not printed in red? I mean, they're, they're not printed in red because they're somehow less important than others. Uh, it's not because they have little value to our lives today. And it's not because the printing company made a mistake. I mean, the words of God not printed in red are because they come from the mouth of God the Father, not God the Son. And the text before us today contains some one of those rare passages in the New Testament where God the Father speaks. What God says doesn't have to be printed in a certain color. It doesn't have to be underlined or highlighted in our Bibles for us to, in order for us to appreciate its significance. Today, as we ascend that holy mountain of transfiguration, God speaks. And he speaks to us through his word. So let's listen to him. Let's learn from him as we ponder those words. The Father declares, this is my son. One of the first things these words want us to do is to look. want us to behold the glory of Jesus. His transfiguration was an extraordinary event, but it began as a pretty ordinary way. Jesus went up on the mountaintop to pray. He had done that same thing dozens of times, probably hundreds of times before. Uh, Mountainside offered that quiet refuge for him, a place where he could talk with his father one-on-one 
a place where there be no noises, no distractions, no crowds, no questions, no requests for help, just, just, just him alone there. Jesus took with him just three of his disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John. The disciples were Jesus' followers, but they, they were also his friends. And, and not only that, Peter, James, and John were like the inner circle around Jesus. Only these three were allowed to follow Jesus when he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. Uh, he needed, when he needed strength and support the most, he chose those three men uh, to come and watch with him and to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. For 30 years, Jesus had walked on this earth as a human being. For 30 years, he set aside that divine power and glory that was rightfully his. For three of those years, Jesus' disciples walked alongside of him. They traveled together with him. They, they ate together. They prayed together. And when people saw them on the road, and they saw them in the marketplace, Jesus uh, and his disciples probably looked very much the same until now. In this account, the gospel writers are given really a, an almost impossible task, isn't it? They're supposed to describe the indescribable. I mean, they're supposed to describe the glory of God in, in just mere words. We heard today Luke writes, as he, Jesus, was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Matthew says that Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became as bright as the light. Mark reports that Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Mere words could never do justice to what the disciples saw that day. But even in the gospel writer's struggle to explain the unexplainable, uh, that can help us appreciate a very glorious sight. Well, as I said, we're at the end of the Epiphany season, and as I said, I've said many times, Epiphany it means to uncover or to somehow reveal something. And so just for a moment on that mountain, Jesus the man revealed himself as true God. He allowed his disciples to catch a glimpse of that glory. And as amazing as that was, he was not the only glorious figure the disciples saw that day. We're told two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Now, Peter, James, and John were Jews. They, therefore, they were probably very familiar with the, I know they were familiar with the Old Testament. They knew about Moses, uh, the shepherd whom God had chosen and appeared to in the burning bush, the commander who took on Pharaoh and his armies, the leader who brought Israel out from Egypt, and the prophet who received God's law on Mount Sinai. They also knew about the great prophet Elijah, how he raised the widow's son from the dead, how he put his trust in the Lord when he challenged the prophets of Baal, and how the Lord carried him up into heaven in a fiery chariot before he tasted death. From childhood, these disciples had heard the stories. They had read the accounts. They, they, they grew up with these heroes of the faith. And now, without any warning, Moses and Elijah were standing right there in front of them on that mountain. They appeared in glorious splendor, and they were talking with Jesus. When the disciples, uh, really, uh, they were sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they witnessed this awesome display. And when they saw Jesus, they were afraid. They were afraid of his glory, and if we had been there, we probably would have been scared too. 
But the transfiguration, this vision of God's glory, can also be a source of comfort to you and me. The transfiguration reminds us that Jesus is true God. It reminds us that the glory that belongs to God will be ours too. And Philippians reminds us that our ascended Lord will return and transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body by the power that enables them to subdue all things to himself. Imagine the brightest light you have ever seen. Whiter than that new shirt uh, when you take it out of the package. <laughs> uh, brighter than uh, the sun when it reflects off that snow that we've been having this year. Brighter than a flash of lightning that doesn't go away. All those things are, are nothing compared to the glory that awaits us in heaven and eternity. We behold, we see the glory of Christ. As we stand on the mountain of glory, it's important that we do not let that blind us, though. Before we talk about heaven, we need to remember why Jesus came to earth. We need to, when we talk about Jesus' transfiguration, we must also remember, remember his mission. Luke lets us in on the content of this conversation between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. It says, uh, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, when Moses and Elijah were alive, they looked ahead. They looked ahead at the promise of God, God's promise of sending Messiah, a Savior, to redeem his people. They put their trust in the Savior that was to come. They understood God's promise that there they would find that final fulfillment in that Messiah. And so now they were standing with that Messiah on that mountain. They had a conversation. They talked with Jesus about his departure. Uh, in, in the Greek, the word is exodus. <laughs> it brings to mind the book of Exodus, right? The story of the exodus when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. In a short time, Jesus would lead his own exodus, if you will. Our departure, it would, take a, it would take place in Jerusalem, referencing his suffering, his death, his resurrection and ascension. Now, we don't know exactly what was said in that heavenly conversation. We don't even know who did most of the talking. But we do know that the time for Jesus' departure was near. He realized that his remaining time on earth was going to be a little bit harder. He knew the final days would be very difficult. Perhaps Moses and Elijah were there to encourage him, to support him, to remind him of the importance of that mission. I mean, if we can say that Moses and Elijah clearly understood the work that Jesus came to do, we can say that Peter had no understanding of what was going on. When Moses and Elijah were about to leave, he made that rather unusual offer. He said, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and, and one for Elijah. What was Peter trying to do? What was the purpose of the shelters? We don't have to feel bad if we admit that we don't know, because Luke tells us that even Peter didn't know what he was saying. He didn't have any long-range plans. He was just caught up in that moment, and he had seen a glimpse of God's glory. He was in the company of Moses and Elijah, and he didn't want it to end. I wouldn't either, right? What Peter failed to understand is that according to God's plan, suffering comes before glory. 
What if Jesus had honored Peter's request? What if Jesus had never come down from the mountain? What if his disciples eventually gave up hope and went back home? What if after some days and months and years, the followers of Jesus assumed that, well, he was just like all the other false prophets that had come and gone before? What if he had not completed his mission? If Jesus had not listened to Peter, God's glory would, would, would mean nothing to us. There would have been no Good Friday. There would have been no Easter Sunday. There would be no hope, no forgiveness, no salvation for Peter, for you, for me. Peter wanted to experience the glory of God on earth. But he's not the only one who's ever guilty of this kind of sin. I think a lot of times we can forget that this world is not all there is. We don't always remember that we are the church militant, not the church triumphant. As we look at our problems, uh, maybe we see them as obstacles in our way. Maybe it's God's given them to us as opportunities to strengthen our faith. The Bible tells us in Acts 14 that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But uh, the Lord also assures us in Romans 8 that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Thanks be to God, Jesus didn't listen to Peter. He came down from that mountain of glory in order to go to another mountain, the mountain of Calvary, descending the mountain of transfiguration to ascend the mountain of crucifixion. On that mountain called Golgotha, God's son, he did not look very glorious at all. He was tired, he was bruised, he was beaten and bloody. But Jesus' cross, he went to the cross willingly for us, setting aside that glory for us and giving up more than his glory. He gave up his very life to take away our sins. And so let us today remember that mission. You know, Jesus stood on that mountain. Moses and Elijah were on that mountain. Peter, James, and John on that mountain. Uh, The presence of God was also there. And so today, as we stand on that mountain, God the Father gives us some words, the directions. And the direction is this, to listen. Listen to his word. You know, the presence of God, uh, Luke tells us, was in a visible form of a cloud. This is not the first time that's happened, right? I mean, we think of God uh, led the children of Israel in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. A cloud rested and enveloped Mount Sinai when God gave the law to Moses. Uh, The cloud signified the presence of God as uh, he uh, appeared in the tabernacle. And as they entered that cloud, a voice came out, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Now those words might sound a little familiar to us because it wasn't too long ago we heard similar words like that when God the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism at the beginning of the Epiphany season. The words spoken by God at Jesus' baptism marked the beginning of his public ministry. And the words, uh, the Father's words spoken here on that mountain that day signify really the beginning of the end. The Father called Jesus his chosen one. In other words, this is not an accident. There can be no doubt. Long before Elijah was taken up into heaven, long before Moses was found floating in the river Nile, even before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, 
God chose to rescue the world from sin and death through his son before the world began. Because Jesus lies at the center of our salvation. Because he is the only way to heaven. The Father wants us to listen to him. Listen to my son, he says. Give your full attention to him, to everything that he says. And we do listen to him, don't we? We listen to him every time we open up our Bibles. We listen to him every time we we hear that word of God. We listen to him every time we reach out and care for others. We, We listen to him every time we gather and worship. We listen to him every time we share that hope. And beginning this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we've got an opportunity to set aside some extra time during the week to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to him as he speaks to us about his passion. During the season of Lent, we're going to follow Jesus from the depths of his suffering to the height of his glory. The glory revealed for just a moment this day on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so as we make this transition from from Epiphany to the Lenten season, our thoughts move from Jesus, the Savior who reveals himself to us, to Jesus, the Savior who suffered for us. The emphasis might change, but the focus remains the same. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is God's Son. He is God's Savior. So let us, as we've seen, let us behold His glory. Let us remember His mission. And let us listen to His word. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.